Blog Talk Radio.
I am Jehovah, the mighty God. Internet Church. I'm Pastor Sabrina, and we are so happy that each of you came to join us in our service to the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. And, Father, thank you for our lesson in trust and patience. Amen. Amen. Yes, Pastor is live. (laughs) Happy New Year, everybody. I'm so glad that you made it through our little storm. And God has helped us to grow. See? We learned to trust. We learn to have some patience, and we learn to forbear and endure. Amen? We made it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we want to thank you for a fresh new year. Granted, you live outside of time, but it's a new and a fresh beginning for us. We thank you, Lord, that you've come to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, to help us to become everything you've always wanted us to be. We love you, Lord. We missed each other, but we're happy to be together again. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to thank everyone. I'm going to say this for everybody. On behalf of myself and Brother Marshall and Brother Bill, I want to thank you for all of your kindnesses toward us. We appreciate them. We love you, and God bless you all. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So, I can't wait to see what the Lord has in store for us this year. This is a different year. Things are changing in the realm of the spirit. We're going into a new phase with the Lord. And we must walk close to the Lord all the time. That's right. We must walk close to the Lord all the time. If you remember, I told you not too long ago that in Christ, you have to be able to turn on a dime. And I do very much mean that. It's important. God can change your direction. He can change your procedure. He can change what you're about to touch and send you into another direction suddenly. God does suddenly. Amen? God does suddenly. So I want each of us to keep that in mind this year, that God does suddenly. For five 
five years you've been walking down one street and suddenly God changes your direction. It's his prerogative, and he's good at it. So we have to walk closely with the Lord. We don't want to miss him, and we don't want to be out of step with him. Amen? Amen. We don't want to miss him, and we don't want to be out of step with him. The more I talk to the Lord, the more he reminds me that he is indeed coming soon. It would behoove each of us to be ready whenever he comes. Yes, things are changing outside, but we need to be coming closer from the inside. God is coming soon. He's repeated it over and over to me. And I know he's telling some of you too. So let's let's stop being sluggish. Let's not be sluggish. Let's not procrastinate. Whatever we're supposed to be doing, let's be doing that. You see, he says in the scripture that one would be uh, milling and the other one would be doing something else. Well, whatever you're supposed to be doing, be doing that. Amen? Whatever you're supposed to be doing, whatever that is, no matter how you view it, just be doing what you're supposed to be doing. You'll be fine. Just keep walking in obedience. You'll make it. Amen? We don't know the day nor the hour, but we can see the seasons changing. So we want to be ready whenever Jesus comes. We don't want to be like the five virgins who didn't have their lamps filled with oil. We want to be well prepared. So we're going to stay full of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We're going to be full of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So, We need to keep this in the front of our mind, right in the front. Jesus could come today. I need to be ready. Jesus could come this very day. I need to be ready. Amen? It'll help you stay on track. It'll help you stay focused. Amen? It'll help you to be grateful. I need to be ready. Amen? I believe if we keep forefront of our thoughts this year, we'll do better. And God will be proud of us. Amen? Amen. Well. I know everybody made it successfully through the holiday season, and many of us had challenges, but God brought us through. Some of us are still coming through those challenges. God is still bringing us through. He likes miracles that are one step at a time. 
You have to trust him for the next step. So we had an opportunity for our patience to be stretched. Amen. We had an opportunity for our patience to be stretched and for our trust in the Lord to be tested. Are you going to trust the Lord to do this? Are you? Are you going to are you going to listen to doubt and fear and and unsure and are you just going to stand God's fixing this and I just have to be patient and thank him. Amen. And also, God gave us a bit of a rest period. If you notice, we worked very very hard all of last year. We did. We did a very good job for Jesus. Amen? And he gave us a bit of a rest. He knows when we need a rest. There is rest in Jesus. And some of us were about pooped out. So he gave us a bit of a rest. See, he's a merciful Savior. He's a gracious God. And I'm proud that we belong to him. Amen. And I hope that you are too. I know some of you enjoyed the surprise that I put in the chat room. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. And as soon as I saw it, I thought about all of you. So I posted the surprise. And I see that some of you got to see it and you enjoyed it thoroughly. Amen? Amen. God knows how to get our attention and help us to see. See, I have things in store for you, and he does. So tonight, we're going to get started. We're going to get started. Amen. You liked it, Amy? I liked it, too. thought it was beautiful. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, what a wonderful God we have. Heavenly Father, the word says that if we are willing and obedient, we shall eat the good of the land. Yes, Lord, I agree. Obedience is a lifestyle. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we want to obey you. We are thrilled with your word that teaches us that as we obey you and keep your word, we will experience your love, and you will make your home with us. Your abiding presence gives us fullness of joy and inspires us to obey you more and more. Amen. As we think upon the importance of obedience in our life, Lord, we are truly stunned by your promise, which tells us that if we will obey your voice and keep your covenant, we will become your special treasure. Your word teaches us that all your promises are yes to us in Christ Jesus. 
Amen. Forgive us, Lord, for each time when we have disobeyed you in any way. We truly repent of all disobedience and rebellion in our life. Show us your ways, Lord, and teach us your path. Lead us in your truth and teach us, for you are the God of our salvation. Let your spirit guide us into all truth according to your word. We now surrender to your will all things. And as we commit ourselves to obeying you, We thank you for the blessings of obedience flowing into our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen, amen, and amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Ah, obedience. Yes. You see, saints, all of us have that corrupted part that's stubborn when it doesn't want to obey. But we have to overcome that. God has given us the power to overcome it. We just have to choose to do that. Yes, it may take some work, but we can do that in Christ. Amen? He has given us power and authority to overcome. And overcome is what we do. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We can obey God if we choose to, and the devil cannot stop us. He would try, but he cannot stop us. Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the armor of God that you have given us. We thank you that we wear it and that we walk in it. We don't just wear it and say, okay, I've got it. No, we move in it. We walk in truth. We walk in peace. We use our shield. We use the sword of the spirit. Amen? Amen. We're not the soldiers, Lord, that are all dressed up with nowhere to go. We have a destiny in Christ. Amen? We wear the helmet of salvation. We take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we thank you, Lord, that you put a hedge around us. We are covered by the blood of Jesus. We are the head and not the tail. No weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper. And we thank you, Lord, that you are our shepherd and we shall not want, for you have supplied all of our need according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus our Lord, so we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So, therefore, we cast all of our care upon you because we know that you care for us. We thank you that we are walking in divine health. We thank you that you healed us by your stripes. We thank you that you provided prosperity and all that our soul needs. We thank you that you have satisfied the desire of every living thing. We thank you for the joy of the Lord. We thank you for your strength. We thank you for the wall of protection that you placed around us. 
We thank you for the wall of fire with your glory in the midst, in Jesus' name. We thank you for the praising angels. We thank you for their shields. We thank you for the warring angels. But more than anything, Lord, we thank you for your very presence. You promised to be in our midst where two or three of us are gathered together in your name. We want to thank you for coming to church because church just wouldn't be the same without you, Lord. Thank you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, from our position seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, we bind Satan, the strong man, all his evil angels, evil spirits, demonic agents, decisions, timings, maneuvers, tactics, devices, plans, orders, all of his underlings, and we cancel all demonic assignments and satanic agendas against the righteous. We take the territory from Satan in Jesus' name. We bind every form of godliness which denies the power of Jesus Christ. We come into agreement with the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and we come out of agreement with Satan, his agents, and his wicked powers. We close and seal all portals, channels, open doors of access to the enemy. We pull down all demonic thrones. We bind the wicked principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and all spiritual wickedness in high places. We release the all-consuming fire of God on every ley line, silver cord, and garland. We bind the demons and workers of darkness in the heavenlies, in the bush, and in the deep. We bind rape and murder to its strong men and dethrone them all, chaining them all in eternal chains and darkness, placing them in the custody of the Holy Spirit. We bind the sources of all witchcraft attacks, and we return the attacks onto the heads of the devil that bring them to cling to them for eternity. We bind all trafficking, reporting, watching, peeping, whispering, familiar, electronic, digital technology demons and their attacks in Jesus' name. We bind Leviathan spirits and all of their attacks. We bind all brainwashing, kundalini spirits and their attacks, water and marine spirits and their attacks, sex devils and their attacks. All unclean spirits and their attacks, passive devils and their attacks, pain-afflicting spirits, sleep deprivation, artificial intelligence, smart dust, and drone spirits. We bind all sorcery devils and their attacks, all seducing, womanizing, whoredom spirits and their attacks. All Havana syndrome spirits, brain changes, injuries, all remote viewing, all sonic and audio web. We bind all the voices of the stranger, the charmer, and the seducer in their attacks. We bind all hypnotic and trance devils, all targeted radio frequency, pulse weapons in their attacks, microwave attacks, debilitating sonic frequency attacks, and the work of every druid. We take authority, dominion, and power over all 5G and components. Everything in what we refer to as outer space that's being used as a weapon against us in any orbit of any planet or any star, any beam that's being sent and used against us, anything coming from a planet or from, from a station that has been affixed to a planet or coming through the atmosphere or coming through a cellular device or a satellite. We bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind you in Jesus' holy name. And we forbid 
you to attack us. We raise the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. We forbid you to come through our phones, our electronic and technological devices to attack us in Jesus' name. And Father, any company that has instilled such surveillance in our devices unknowing to us, we ask that you uncover their wickedness and that the Lord who is the judge judges it in Jesus' name. We bind all electromagnetic attacks, smart technology and particle attacks, techno-paganism, and mind control by the occult. We bind force feedback, cyber stalking, cyber sex, cyber sex crime, pornography, demonic curiosity, bewitching spirits, which manipulate modern technology, pulse microwave radiation attacks designed to cause neurological problems, brain injuries, debilitating headaches, vertigo, binding directed energy microwave weapons, Binding all vibrations which are demons. Thank you, Lord. We bind all mystic rituals and their intent. We overturn and empty all cauldrons and chalices upon the heads of the conjurers and the magicians. We bind every order of magic and mystic arts, Buddhist, black magic, Santeria, Kabbalah, Egyptian, Chaldean, Hindu, Indian, African, European, North American, South American, Islander, indigenous groups, tribal groups, cults. Every cult is bound in the name of Jesus Christ. Every coven is bound in the name of Jesus Christ. Roca resile da Dios sur riquita da baracaca. Roca de debrisha da Dios sur da brica de Dios sur la diaca. We bind every conclave. In the name of Jesus Christ, we bind cults of witches, warlocks, wizards, sorcerers, diviners, pagans, and heathens. In the name of Jesus Christ, we bind the spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience in Jesus' name. We tear down their strongholds. We bind their strong men in the name of Jesus Christ. We chain them with eternal chains unto darkness in Jesus' name. We send them into the spiritual cage and to the feet of Jesus for immediate judgment. We bind Kundalini spirits now in Jesus' name. We bind you. We chain you with eternal chains under darkness. We sever all allegiance to you in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind your psychic abilities in the name of Jesus. And we command you to come up and out of the saints of God right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Every kundalini and false religious spirit, the fake Holy Ghost, you are bound in the name of Jesus Christ. Come up and out of the saints of God. You have no right to be there in Jesus' name. Deep breath and cough, saints. Deep breath and cough. Thank you, Lord. We bind all the covens and cults and groups and associations and assemblies and conventions that come under the umbrella of the Illuminati. 
We bind each of you individually. We bind your agendas. We bind your your purposes, your practices, and your wickedness in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind your progress in the name of Jesus Christ. We chain it with eternal chains under darkness in Jesus' holy name. We bind all Morgellons attacks, and we return every attack to the senders. We bind the culture of corruption worldwide. We bind Caribbean and Latin American black and white magic in Jesus' name. We bind all free-flying devils, all evil spirits which take animal forms, all shape-shifting spirits, Trapping them into their shifted form for eternity, we bind each demon responsible for the dominion of sin in our culture. We bind impulsivity, inattention, racing mind, hyperactivity, low levels of dopamine. We bind the prince of the power of the air. And we return his powers to Jesus Christ. We bind the power of the dog and every abomination that has been committed. We bind the Lord of the flies and his agents, and we place them under the feet of the Lord Jesus. We bind the Mandela effect and all satanic ritual abuse, devil, satanic worship, witchcraft, dedication. We bind the formation of bullflies and demonic insects in the name of Jesus. We bind all spiders in their webs, trapping them in their own webs. We bind We bind spirits of infirmity, supplanting the gods of the people of the land, the gods of the groves, and every spirit that exalts science, logic, and human reasoning and demonic knowledge against the knowledge of God and makes man wise in his own eyes. We bind the transference of evil spirits. We bind mammon and his agents. We bind all demons sent forth to intimidate, harass, manipulate, lie against, mock, wear down, infect, destroy, spy, sabotage, hinder, monitor, track, Besmirch, block, distract, confuse, pervert, stifle, curse, expose, file, corrupt, undermine, despise, assassinate, divide, confound, attack, reproach, and reduce the effectiveness of the righteous in Christ Jesus. We bind the shedding of injected persons upon us. We return and loose these attacks to the senders according to the covenant. We bind the bondage of generations of fools, the spirit of the fool in Jesus' name. We bind the carnal mind. We bind the fool's anger in Jesus' name. We bind food, lust, and addictions and gluttony. We return to sender according to the covenant, all in every reprisal, retribution, counterattack, psychic weapon, retaliation, all avenging, all blowbacks, all vengeance, blood rituals, every boomerang, each payback, and all requiting of our righteous warfare in Jesus' name. This includes every evil work, mark, right, ritual, ceremony, sacrifice, proclamation, pronouncement, vow, root work, or sin against us, astral projection, sending demons to us to work against us and against all that pertains to us, no demon, no wicked person, or unrighteous event left behind, binding the inordinate use of conjugal rights, returning to sender all witchcraft attacks through channeling and the satellite against the website and the app, binding all abortions as a magical ritual, binding all Cameroonians, Wizardry, black magic, juju, hexes, vexes, and such return to sender in Jesus' name. All tribal witchcraft and occultism return to sender. All attacks return to sender. All Chaldean witchcraft 
Return to the Chaldeans, where it came from, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Turning off Spanish witchcraft from whence it came, in the name of Jesus Christ. Breaking and destroying our social, emotional, and psychological ties with food and drink which are displeasing to Jesus Christ. Binding superficial religious acts. Binding magic spells for love, money, protection, black magic, white magic, candle magic, Hoodoo, root work, lucky charms, high magic, folk magic spells, binding the demons of energies, boomeranging their wicked works upon them, binding all magical language, magic signs, magical patterns, even in numbering, binding synchrony, binding and caging Poseidon and all other underwater demons, stripping them of their crowns and their powers, binding all conjurations and summonings of demons in Jesus' name. Binding Jewish black magic mysticism, magic writings, magic artifacts, binding the essence of magic and Jewish magic by practitioners, amulets, bowls, precious stones, incantations, divining practices, magic spells, and potions in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise your name, Lord. We bind all false flags. We bind all vampire spirits, voodoo, hoodoo, ancient arts. Mystic rituals, devils attending the New World Order, New Age Movement, Great Reset, Make-Believe, Fantasy, Fables, Enchantments, La La Land, False Religions, Numerology, Horoscopes, the Spirits and Works of the Oppressors, and the Spirit and the Children of Disobedience. We bind all martial arts, yoga, transcendental meditation, antichrist ideologies and doctrines, Ahab and Jezebelic spirits and practices, lewdness, perversions, the outworking of vain deceit, death spirits, spirits of destruction, Chaos and mayhem, oppression, depression, anarchy, premonition, clairvoyance, ESP, telepathy, psychokinesis, out-of-body experiences, reincarnation, haunting, poltergeist, astral travel, psychic healing, demonic meditation, spirit guides, and defilement by wizards. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord. We bind the king of pride and all of his underlings. We chain them with eternal chains under darkness. We chain all the strong men of Leviathan in Jesus' name, and we send them to the feet of Jesus for judgment. We bind all demonic, human, demonic, blood, sexual, financial, animal, food, fecal, and soulless sacrifices. We bind all devils attached to idols and idolatry. We bind every form of rebellion, idolatry, root work, mind control, apathy, unyielding, nature worship, deception, scoffing, error, worldly indoctrination, military spirits, idle mind, unfocused mind, rioting, abuse, all trolls, all fear, combative jealousy, fleshly ambition, the culture of corruption, weariness, betrayal, unfaithfulness, violence, and temptation to sin in Jesus' name. We bind Belial, Beelzebub, Baal, Molech, Basilic, Python, Neptune, Zeus, Apollyon, Kali, all gods and goddesses, Osiris, Isis, On, and all false deities, along with Mammon, Atlas, Baphomet, and his 72 in the name of Jesus Christ. We chain you with eternal chains under darkness in Jesus' name and send you to the feet of Jesus for judgment. Thank you, Lord, for that. Amen. Praise the Lord. We break the power and undo the works of all Masonic rules, rites, ceremonies, vows, pledges, pacts, in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind all demonic weapons, fireballs, poisons, voodoo pins, and doll cotton cold spots, and psychic weapons, prompters, codes, triggers, charms, tumors, designs, signals, 
and we return their afflictions to the worker of witchcraft and their pagan sources. We bind the rituals, the rites. We bind the the brotherhood, the lodge, the craft, the worship, the grips, Freemasonry, uh-huh, their Masonic charter in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind the rituals of every secret society and the associated organizations in Jesus' name. We bind every spirit that was familiar to the Laodiceans. We bind the pride and insanity, work of errors and foolishness of our own opinions. We bind being misled and misleading others. We return and loose all the retaliations of the enemy upon his own head according to the scriptures. We bind all traditions and customs rooted in sin. We denounce and renounce them all and loose ourselves from them. We bind the gang stalkers and send their fear, harassments, and witchcraft back on their own heads as well as their mind control. In Jesus' name, we bind the spirit of slumber. We thank you, Father, that you have given us power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm us. We rejoice with you that our names are written in heaven. We bind every spirit that denies the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood atonement on the cross of Calvary. Father, we ask for eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to believe, and minds to receive what the Spirit of God says to the church. We repent of an evil heart of unbelief in accord with Calvary. We ask you, Father, to teach us to guard our hearts with all diligence. Lord, we have come to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke and chain, and to call for justice and please. Lord, develop in us a love for the truth. Lead us into truth. Your word is truth. Make us to know the truth, and your truth will make us free. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Lord, we come to celebrate the scriptures with you and to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. We will not turn back from pursuing the enemy until the Godhead does. The Lord Jesus Christ is our commander-in-chief in whom we serve and obey. Thank you, Lord. We take authority, dominion, and power over every demon that has followed us from wherever we've been, and we disconnect ourselves from those spirits, entities, and events in the name of Jesus Christ. Any demon that was sent to us or transferred to us, we bind it and we command it to leave us now in Jesus' name. Any demons coming through our web pages or our email or our computer lines or our cell phone lines, we bind you too in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind evil and wicked persons from tracking us on the Internet in Jesus' name. We forbid them to track us. We forbid them from pursuing us in the name of Jesus Christ. We put the wall of fire between them and us in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, for kings and all who are in authority, and all true Christians everywhere. And all true Christians everywhere, especially the January 6th, prisoners, and all who are being persecuted, especially those that were left behind in Afghanistan or some other place. Though we walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive us. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of our enemies, and your right hand shall save us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we appeal to the righteous judge. 
we thank you that you can make blind eyes to see and seeing eyes blind. And we ask you, Father, to so do as we are protected according to the scriptures from persons pursuing us with ill desires, with ill intent, with a design to harm us or scam us or steal from us or rob us or in some other way to bring harm to ourselves and to our families. We forgive them, Lord, but we put them in your hands right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask you, Lord Jesus, as the righteous judge, to judge their motives and their behaviors and their actions because sowing and reaping is in vogue. Thank you. Sowing and reaping is in vogue. So, Father, for all who have attempted to scam us, for all who have attempted to rob us, for all who have attempted to deceive us, for all who have attempted to betray us, we forgive them, but we place them in your hands for judgment. We thank you and we give you praise, Father, for your mighty work in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord, if you can get them saved in this, all to God be the glory. But if not, your word is spoken. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we cover ourselves with the blood of Jesus and our mode of transportation. Thank you, Lord, that there was not a wreck yesterday and that man didn't hit me from behind. Thank you for you and the angels standing in the gap for me. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We cover our vehicles or whatever transportation we are using and the road or the airways or the waterways in Jesus' name. We take authority, dominion, and power over animals, demons, entities of any kind so that they do not cross our path. And we thank you, Father, that you have already dispatched your angels ahead of us to protect us. We give you the praise. We cover ourselves and our property with the blood of Jesus. And any new property that we have acquired, we take authority, dominion, and power over it now in Jesus' name. For any new property that we have acquired, we take authority, dominion, and power over it right now in the name of Jesus Christ. It now has become holy ground because it is part and parcel of the kingdom of God. Amen. Not to mention that the world is yours anyway, Lord. Amen. But we come in agreement, officially. It's on the record. Amen. We cover ourselves and our property with the blood of Jesus. We take authority over demons of the night, bad dreams, night dreams, sex dreams, anyone or anything trying to get into our dreams. The devil trying to discourage us with dreams that are contrary to what God has planned for us. We bind those dreams and we give them right back to that demon. And we get Rasulullah. Father, we call for the judgment on those demons in the name of Jesus Christ, trying to show us a vision that is different from what you have planned for our lives. We will not receive it. We cast it down according to 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 in Jesus' name. And we place it at the feet of Jesus for judgment. Amen. 
Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. We command those devils to stay away from us, and we thank you for the wall of fire protecting us as we sleep in Jesus' name. Lord, for every attempt that the enemy has made, courage us from pressing on in the things of God and accomplishing what you're telling us to accomplish. We ask you to punish them a hundredfold in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise God. So we pull out all fiery darts, pins, needles, spears, voodoo, witchcraft. We return any curses and we re- and send it back where it came from in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We give you the praise. We disconnect and cut and destroy all ungodly silver cords and ley lines and separate from ourselves, all ungodly soul ties, attachments, covenants, agreements, oaths, consents, garlands, vows, pledges, pacts, leagues, and all of the forms of agreement with the demonic realm. Saints, don't get caught up in gossip because as you stand there and listen, you are passively giving your agreement. As you listen, you are passively giving your agreement. Amen. Praise the Lord. Try to stay in agreement with Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know your family wants to call and gossip. You know what to do. Amen. Praise God. So, we tear down and destroy walls of protection around shamans, globalists, nanotechnology, Satanists, wizards, warlocks, witches, sorcerers, and such. And we destroy the powers of all charms, love spells, vexes, hexes, curses, fetishes, potions, jinxes, mind control, sorcery, voodoo, magic, death spirits, psychic warfare, psychic powers, pain, sickness, torment, any form of destruction, prayer chains, incense and candle burnings, incantations, chanting, ungodly blessings, hoodoo, crystal root work, tribal rituals and sins, and everything being sent our way that is not the will of God in Jesus' name. We return it in Jesus' holy name from wherever it came from. Amen. God is great and greatly to be praised. We return to the enemy, spirits of hate, bitterness, murder, envy, jealousy, wizardry, sorcery, and all wicked influences in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We send back to the enemy all blindnesses, spirits of bondage, fear, heaviness, and hatred. And we thank you, Father, for destroying the yoke on your people and giving them liberty in their souls, that they may be free to repent, if required. Show us, Father, every evil work and evil deed that we are guilty of. And we thank you, Lord, for convicting our hearts and leading us into repentance. In Jesus' holy name, thank you for bringing our souls out of darkness so that you can receive the glory. We thank you, Lord. Now, Satan, we take authority, dominion, and power over every little ugly thing you have said to us or tried to shove down our our hearts and our ears and our eyes and our minds. 
We bind it in the name of Jesus Christ. We repent of entertaining it if we did, and we send it right back to you now, full force, in Jesus' name, according to the covenant, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We give you the praise, and we honor you, Lord, with obedience, in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, guess what? Guess what? Tonight, mm-hmm. Tonight, oh, tonight, we get to finish this message. Can you believe it? Ah, Praise the Lord. Amen. So, I don't remember what I told you. But then, let's see, our our featured e-book is The Second Coming of Christ, My Redeemer Lives. And I think the featured psalm is Psalm 9, and the verses for meditation come from Psalm 62, verses 5 through 6. That was Psalm 62, verses 5 through 6. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise the Lord forevermore. Saints, please join me. In Deuteronomy, chapter 28, verse 13. Deuteronomy, chapter 28, verse 13. Deuteronomy, chapter 28, and verse 13. Praise the Lord. I know you still know how to find Deuteronomy. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. Deuteronomy, chapter 28, verse 13. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If that thou hearken. Remember we said hearken meant listening with the intent to obey. If thou, if that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath, if that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. Amen? Amen. Thank the Lord for his word. Amen. In this scripture, God Almighty declares headship. God Almighty declares headship. This declaration was initially spoken to the nation of Israel. As the former slaves began their entry into the promised land, God wanted certain important truths to be established in their minds and now in our minds and hearts. Amen? Under divine instructions, tribes stood on the slopes of Mount Ebel to shout, Amen. 
to the curses of the law once they were pronounced. So let's visit in Deuteronomy chapter 27, Deuteronomy chapter 27, beginning with verse 11. Deuteronomy chapter 27, beginning with verse 11. Deuteronomy chapter 27, beginning with verse 11. And Moses charged the people same day, saying, These shall stand upon Mount Gerizim to bless the people when ye are come over Jordan. All right, these are the people that are going to stand on the mountain to bless. Simeon and Levi and Judah and Issachar and Joseph and Benjamin. Those were the tribes that God sent to this mountain. And their point, their instructions to bless the people at the appropriate time. Verse 13. And these shall stand upon Mount Ebo to curse. One group blesses, the other group curses. And this is the group that God assigned to curse. Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. And in the middle, the Levites were placed at an altar. And in verse 14 it says, And the Levite shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice. And it goes on further. All right. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I'll explain. This is how God established this part of the covenant with them, with the blessings and the cursings that many of which you have already read. God had six tribes on one mount, six tribes on another mount, and the Levites and an altar in the valley between. That's how he did it. He wanted this because he seriously wanted to establish certain truths in their mind. So under divine instruction, Six tribes stood on the slopes of Mount Ebal to shout amen to the curses of the law once they were pronounced. About 500 yards away, the other six tribes stood on the slopes of Mount Gerizim to shout amen to the blessings of the law. So, saints, you now have homework. That's right. It's homework. Your homework is to read Deuteronomy chapter 27, Deuteronomy chapter 27, beginning with verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 27, beginning with verse 12, and go all the way through to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 68. That's Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 12, through Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 68. 
Amen? Amen. I think you can handle that. I'm certain you can. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you can handle that. Let me. In fact, I think I'll put it in there for you just in case somebody missed it. Let me do that now. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. There you are. Amen. Praise God. All right. A special altar was erected in the valley between the mountains. Amen. Special altar was erected in the valley between the mountains. Then, near the altar, the Levites declared the word of the Lord, which included the scriptures which we just read. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, Deuteronomy chapter 7, beginning with Verse 7, God has some words to explain to them why he chose them and formed Israel to be the exemplary standard for all nations in relation to the true God. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, beginning with verse 7, God explains why he chose and formed Israel to be the exemplary standard for all nations in relation to the true God. Verse 7, the Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. Amen. But because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand king of Egypt. So God had to help them to understand that it wasn't their own greatness that merited his favor. It was because he chose to place his love upon them. And because he's going to keep his word to their forefathers. So they need not think it was because they were so great and wonderful that he chose them. It was not. He explains clearly. And some of us need to understand that concept. Amen? Praise the Lord. This type of arrangement, which God utilizes many times in life, has been labeled as the principle of the mustard seed. God will take a small portion of something, and he will build it into something that we would call gargantuan. That's basically the principle of the mustard seed. He'll take the smallest, most insignificant something, 
and make it to become more than it could have been on its own. Amen? Amen. In the Declaration of Deuteronomy 28.13 that we read at the beginning, we can see what God is doing. Just as the mustard seed is the least of all seeds, yet it becomes the greatest among herbs. In this way, our creator often chooses people and things which in man's opinion are considered the lowest, the last, and the least. Then he transforms them into the highest, the first, and the greatest in order to reveal his holy power and to give glory to his name. So let's visit Mark chapter 4, the Gospel of Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 30. The Gospel of Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 30. The Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, beginning with chapter at chapter four, verse thirty, and he said, "Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what comparison shall we compare it?" Verse thirty-one. It is like a grain of mustard seed which, when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up. See, we have to grow up. And becometh greater than all earth, and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Now, for those of you who managed to find my picture of a mustard seed and the great tree that it becomes, you see what God is saying. I was a little while back when I posted this. And if you were paying attention, you caught it. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, considering this, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 26, 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 26. 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 26. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God doesn't usually call what the world would consider the greatest and the best. He doesn't call masterminds for the most part. He calls people that nobody thinks much of for whatever reason. For whatever reason. Romans. Chapter 9, verse 17. Romans, chapter 9, verse 17. Romans, chapter 9, verse 17. 
You see, God even has purposes when he calls someone that's in great power. God uses whom he chooses to use his way. He made the wicked for the day of destruction. He made them all. Amen? So if you're at Romans chapter 9, verse 17, the Bible says, For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I may might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. And it was, and it still is. You see, when the other surrounding nations saw what the God of the Hebrew slaves did to the nation of Egypt, Egypt was a superpower. Just like we have superpowers today, Egypt was a superpower, and Pharaoh was the head of the superpower. He was at the top of the pecking order, so to speak. All right? And God says he raised him up that he might show his power in him and that his name might be declared throughout all the earth. So you see, God looks at things, and people say, well, Christians don't want to get involved in politics. Well, right in this scripture, God is involved in politics. All through the Bible, God is involved in politics. What do you mean? God is right smack dab in in the middle of politics. He is involved in the affairs of men. He did not create man to sit back in heaven and just sit there and scratch his beard and watch. That's not our God. He is involved in the affairs of mankind. He's involved in the situations in the earth. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So we have a better picture. God intended for Israel to be the head in every arena of human experience, politically, militarily, socially, scientifically, educationally, monetarily, materially, religiously, and spiritually. He intended for them to be the showpiece, the example of a nation that follows God. So others could look and see, oh, their God is God. Maybe I need to follow him. In achieving excellence and preeminence, they were to become the exemplary nation. They were to be before the world a living testimony of what can happen when an entire nation lives and walks in covenant with our God. Well, saints, this worked well and even mightily, but it fell apart when Israel continually broke covenant with our God. They went headlong into sins of idolatry, rebellion, 
witchcraft, and a host of other sins. They violated their holy relationship with God, and they continued in their sins. As a result, the Israelites became slaves to five Gentile empires. First, there was the Assyrians, then the Babylonians, then the Persians, then the Greeks, and the Romans. For centuries, instead of being the head, they became the tail. God gave warning of this in Deuteronomy chapter 28, beginning with verse 43. Deuteronomy chapter 28, beginning with verse 43. Deuteronomy chapter 28, beginning with verse 43. The stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt come down very low. He shall lend to thee, and thou shalt not lend to him. He shall be the head, and thou shalt be the tail. But that was not God's original plan for them. Amen? That was not God's original plan for them. Please note, saints, that the all-important if that we read in Deuteronomy 28:13, if thou shalt hearken, yes, if you listen with the intent to obey the commandments of the Lord your God. God promised to exalt them to the highest place only if they obeyed his word. Only if they obeyed his word. Especially under the old covenant, headship primarily depended on human performance the ability of the Israelites to abide by the law. The final curse declared by the Levites was certainly heart-moving, and it can be found in Deuteronomy 27, verse 26. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26. Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse 26. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. And all the people shall say, Amen. So how do you confirm the words of the covenant? You obey them and do them. Amen. From the moment they shouted, Amen, or so be it. They had the responsibility of keeping all 613 commandments of the law. As their failures and rebellion with disobedience increased over a period of centuries, the situation grew increasingly worse. 
It appeared that God's promises would fail, but there is no failure in God. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Saints, that's a convicting sermon right there, that one verse. God is not a man that he should go around telling lies. That's just not him. He keeps his word. His word is faithful. He tells us he's faithful to over a thousand generations. He tells us there's no shadow of turning in him. We should believe him and trust him all the more. Well, Things went bad. God stopped talking to Israel for 400 years. Then Jesus came. Then Jesus came. The mustard seed principle can be witnessed in the incarnation of the Son of God. His birthplace, Bethlehem, was the least of all the cities of Judah. Jesus, as a mustard seed, was born in the most unlikely accommodations in that city, a lowly stable. That's right. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 6, Matthew chapter 2, verse 6, the Bible says, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of these shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. He literally came out of a no place. Amen? He literally came out of a no place. After 33 years, He was crucified and sunken to an even lower place of degradation as he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Really? Yes, it's so. I'll show you where it says so. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. It reads the following, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. You see, on the cross, he became a curse. For us all and became and paid the penalty of sin for us. 
Jesus, who rightfully was the head of all things, became the tail by identifying with us in our fallen state. Amen? In our fallen state. How is this? Because the wages of sin is death. In Romans, it tells us that the wages of sin is death. But not for long. Three days later, he rose from the dead, redeeming us from the curse of the law. In Galatians chapter 3, beginning with verse 13. Galatians chapter 3, beginning with verse 13. It tells you what Jesus did. Amen? And we need to be reminded of this even on a daily basis, saints, because we get all wound up in what's going on, and we don't think. So we're going to do a little thinking tonight. Amen? We're going to do a little thinking. Galatians chapter 3, beginning with verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us, bought us back from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. So the curse that was upon us, he took it. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, through faith. Amen? Jesus became a curse for us. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 19. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 19. Ephesians, just flip your fingers a minute, you'll get there. Chapter 1, and I'm going to begin with verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Where? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Amen. Amen. He redeemed us so much so that we have been seated, as it says in chapter 2, in heavenly places with him, Far above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. 
Amen? This speaks of the resurrection and ascension of Jesus when the Father's mighty power was released. Jesus' headship exercised throughout the church. Jesus came down to our level to lift us up to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Through the blood that cleanseth us, the Spirit of God who enlivens us, the name which delivers us, and the covenant that empowers us, we are exalted over every enemy, over sin, over Satan, over self, over death, over the grave, and over eternal damnation. I'll say that again. Through the blood that cleanses us, the Spirit of God who enlivens us, the name which delivers us, and the covenant that empowers us, we are exalted over every enemy, over sin, over Satan, over self, over death, over the grave, and over eternal damnation. Since Jesus is the head, and we are the body, we are his body, things are under his feet, all things are under our feet as well. Even personal failures, if yielded to God, become stepping stones instead of stumbling stones. Instead of portals leading to death, they become the gateways of redemption leading to life. The life-giving principles that rules God's kingdom of life. Therefore, God describes our status as being above only. End of this age, this promise will be fulfilled in greater ways than ever before. Both the true church and the nation of Israel will be increasingly scorned by the world. God did not say, I will give you the potential of being the head. He said, I will make you the head and not the tail. This is something God is in the process of doing. It is his grace, wisdom, and power, not our human effort, that will cause this magnificent reality to manifest on a higher level. Since this is truth in an eternal sense, shouldn't we manifest headship in lesser ways, doing our earthly sojourn. Shouldn't we give up that false notion that we're just down here struggling? No, we're not. We're learning to reign through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a learning process but we have to want to go with the process that he has planned. Amen? Since this is truth in an eternal sense, 
Shouldn't we manifest headship in even lesser ways during our earthly time here? Shouldn't we stop acting like we ought to be the tail and not the head? Shouldn't we humble ourselves so that he can follow and carry through his plans to bring us to headship? Shouldn't we consider that? Shouldn't that be important to us? Amen? Shouldn't that be something that we actually take the time to ponder and meditate? You see, God has said he's made you the head. Well, there's a plan and a way to get there. But you're going to have to follow God to get there. He's doing his part. We need to do our part. Amen? Amen. You see, his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So what we think ought to be the path may not be the path. But following him is always the path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen. He promises to direct our path. Now we should promise to follow. Somebody's got to lead and somebody's got to follow. We're supposed to be following him. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I hope that you will recast this so that you can get God's point down in your heart. He did not call you to be the tail. He called you to be the head. But you have to let him do it his way. Amen? Amen. You see? God is the one who brought light out of darkness. And you know you don't know how to do that anyway. And since he does, seemingly we would trust him more. He's the one who took nothing and made something of it. Amen. He spoke into darkness. If he knows how to do that, he knows how to make us the head and not the tail. You see, his plan didn't follow uh, some corporate agenda. No corporate agenda would have sent their CEO to the cross. But you see, God has a different plan, and his plan works. There's no failure in him. Amen. You see, those little fishermen, those commercial fishermen, that smelled like they were commercial fishermen, decided to follow him. And in due season, They will sit on thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. 
God has a different way of doing things. It's not what man would come up with. So we need to be ready to humble ourselves. We need to be ready to change our perspective. We need to be ready to let God do it his way. Amen. Amen. I believe it's so. I do believe it's so. Amen. Praise God. I want to thank the Lord uh, for this message. It's been percolating for about two weeks now, and he really wanted us to have it. So now embrace the word. Let the word speak to your heart and to your mind. Embrace the word. Embrace the word. You know, there's somebody that's listening to me now. You want to move forward in certain arenas in life. And one of the things you're going to have to do is you're going to have to obtain some more education. But you've got to be willing to do that, and you've got to be willing to do it God's way. You know, many of us shy away from things that we perceive as a challenge or difficult or hard. We think we can't do it, but he has already told us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Yes, we're going to have some challenges. Why? Because God is going to keep his word. He's going to put us in a place where we have to grow. We have to grow. Stay weak in the same places we've always been weak because he's going to change that. That's what Romans promises us. So we're going to have challenges that don't feel comfortable. Why? Because we need to change. That's why. And it's not going to be the change we think we ought to have. It's going to be the change that he mandates. A lot of it's going to be very personal. Nonetheless, We must become the people of God that God has called us to be. He has spoken it. We must do it. Amen? And that's just the truth. You see, he has this comment that he makes in the scripture about if you don't bring forth fruit, he does one thing. However, if you bring forth fruit, he does something different so you can bear more fruit. And we have decided to be the people to bring forth more fruit. So we're going to have some challenges and some processes to go through so God can bring forth more fruit. All right? Why? Because it manifests his character, his nature, his glory to those that need to see it and know about it. Not just idle people. He said he doesn't take a light and put it under a bushel. No, he sets it on a hill. 
I've been there in person looking at that hill, listening to him tell me about it. He's serious. You look at yourself and you estimate you one way. God has already determined who you really are. Now it's time for each of us to line up with him. Amen? We need to line up with him, with what thus saith the Lord, not what thus saith our own opinion that particular day. Amen? Amen. Amen. We look at our circumstances and we try to decide, well, I can do this, but I can't do that, and so on and so forth. I can't make new friends. I don't know any people. I I can't walk up to people and just tell them about the God. Yes, you can. Can you eat fried chicken? Well, if you can eat fried chicken, you can tell somebody about the gospel. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Think about that. If you can eat fried chicken, you can get a drumstick. Put it in your mouth, chew it up and swallow it. You can tell somebody about Jesus. Really? Really? Amen. Yes, you can. Stand there and tell them about your fried chicken. You can tell them how you got that drumstick. You can tell them why you like it, why that's your favorite brand. Well, if you can do that, you can tell them about Jesus. That's right. So you can stop with the, with the excuse about, I, I just can't do it. I, I, I can't do it. Oh, yes, you can. You've eaten plenty of fried chicken. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yes, you can. Amen. So now we're going to go forward with the Lord. And we're going to trust him to develop us into who he wants us to be. And we're going to yield to him. And when we come to the place that we're not willing, we're going to pray and tell the Lord, Lord, right this minute, I might not be so willing, but I'm willing to be made willing. Amen? I'm willing for you to work on me to make me more willing than I am right now. Amen. Praise God. You got to get in the obedience lane somehow, saints, and that's a good avenue to take. Amen. Praise God. And I'm glad that we could come together and fellowship in the word and receive a word from the Lord that's quite inspiring and take the Lord up on it. Amen? Each message is supposed to change us. It's supposed to give us an opportunity to take another step or two in the direction that God wants us in. And it's up to us to move the feet. Amen? Amen. When you're out somewhere at the gardening center, try 
trying to pick out a plant? Well, should I buy the celery plant or should I buy the lettuce plant? And somebody comes up to you and just says something and the Holy Spirit prompts you to say the right things. You can open your mouth and do that. Why? Because you can start with, you know, my pastor told me once that if I could eat fried chicken, I could explain this to you. And this is what I need to explain to you. There you go. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. God is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. Praise God. (laughs) Okay, J.D. (laughs) Amen. So now, you can't say you don't have an opening line. I just gave you one. And it'll work, I guarantee you, especially especially if it's lunchtime. It'll work. So there you have it. You can do it. Yes, you can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So there you go. You do not get out. (laughs) You do not get out of this. You know, some of you are still scared to try to witness, and you just got to get over that. Amen. You got to get over that. It doesn't matter if you stumble over what you say. Just get your mouth open and say what the Lord wants you to say, okay? And don't run from people. (laughs) Don't run from people. Don't go sit in your dorm room with your door closed and locked and say, I'm just staying in here away from the world. That won't do it. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. So, um, where was I about to say, Holy Spirit? Oh, yes. Everybody who couldn't figure out what was going on, all you had to do was come in the chat room where we discuss everything that's going on to get caught up. Amen? Amen. I want to thank all of you that contacted me at gproom at outlook.com to let me know what you had noticed. And I'm glad that you decided to come up in the MIC radio chat room and to find out. Amen? Amen. I realize that some of you missed the initial prayer meeting we had concerning it, but I do believe that once you found out that you came into agreement with our prayers, we appreciate that because God has moved as he promised. Amen? Amen. So, amen. Praise God. Um, This one. Yes. Oh, no, that's the wrong thing. No. Okay. Let me do this. Yes. Then, yes. Amen. Praise God. Well, Father, your children have come together, and we have some more adjudications. And one of them's kind of long, so I'm going to go to that one first. Amen. I'm going to the real long one first. And then 
I'll go to the second one first. And then if we have time, I'll go back to the first one. So, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we want to thank you for the privilege, honor, and opportunity of presenting adjudications before the righteous judge for his decisions and judgments and interventions and whatever else he chooses to do about it. Thank you. Amen. It was obvious when he came to visit Lot's uncle that he'd made up his mind what he was going to do. And he went to view Sodom and Gomorrah, and in our terms of thinking, he signed off on it. So we come before you, Lord, knowing that you hear our prayers and answer them, you are waiting to receive these adjudications. So we are requesting adjudications from the righteous judge concerning, we'll start here at number two, Israel tactically encouraged Hamas to stay in power, according to the New York Times. In some cases, Israeli support was more obvious. Israeli security forces would help escort millions in funds F-U-N-D-S, into Gaza, helping Hamas, New York Times reported. Israeli officials are facing backlash after years of Prime Minister Benjamin Bibi Netanyahu quietly allowing Hamas to remain in power. The calculus, the Times reported on, well, that was a different Sunday, citing Israeli officials, Netanyahu's critics, and the Man's only own reported statement was to keep Hamas strong enough to counteract the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank, allowing Netanyahu to avoid a two-state peace solution and keep both sides weak. Israeli security officials got it wrong. They didn't think Hamas was capable or even interested in launching a large attack against the Jewish state. To keep Hamas propped up, Netanyahu's government worked with Qatari to keep the money flowing, the New York Times reported. Israel knew that Qatar was supporting Hamas, but didn't oppose the payments and even lobbied American lawmakers not to sanction Qatar. In 2018, Netanyahu's administration came up with a plan, according to the New York Times, as part of a peace agreement with Hamas. Qatar would bring millions into Gaza to distribute to Gazan families, the outlet reported. Israeli security officials would meet with Qatari diplomats at the border between Israel and Jordan. I've been to that border. According to the New York Times report, they would then drive past the border crossing and into Gaza, allow, according to the outlet. Through, though the money was meant for Gazans civilians, Western intelligence determined that Hamas was taking money from the funds outlet reported. The propped-up peace lasted until October 7th when Hamas fighters launched a terror attack across the Israeli border. The militants killed about 1,200 people and took dozens more hostage. Israeli officials said, 
Israel has since responded with a massive bombarding and ground campaign in Gaza. About 17,000 people in Gaza have been killed, according to Hamas-led Gazan health authorities. Though a short ceasefire allowed a hostage exchange between Hamas and Israel, since that time, the fighting has continued. So we are requesting adjudications from the righteous judge, and we are thanking him for them. Amen. adjudications from the righteous judge concerning the children's health defense interviewed Gail McCray, who was a nurse during the COVID times and worked in the Bay Area of California, which was notoriously one of the most strictly compliant populations in the United States. As Gail says, we were compliant not just with the lockdowns and the masking, but also the COVID injection. As a nurse, she could see that we were being lied to when COVID was first announced because the hospitals were locked down, elective surgeries were stopped, and the hospital she worked in became completely empty. But the news broadcasts were telling the public that they were full and overwhelmed. McCray and other colleagues from all over the state of California were not overwhelmed at any time during the first year of COVID-2020. The hospital began to fill up with patients with the flu during the winter of 2020 to 21. However, that happened every year for the whole 12 years she had been working in the acute care setting. It was nothing unusual. This alerted McCray to the fact that there were things going on that shouldn't have been going on, she said, and realized that when having to tell family members that they were unable to be at the bedside of their dying loved ones due to their isolation policy, for her it was a crime against humanity and a violation of her oath. I knew right away. It should not have been happening, she said. We isolate people in prison. We put them in the brig when they do something wrong to torture them. And that's what I felt like I was being forced to do when I had to tell my patients' family members when they couldn't come to the hospital to be near their dying loved ones. The nurse knew she needed to critically analyze what she was being told to do such as the administration of remdesivir, which she knew to be an experimental use authorization medication and the only drug they were allowed to give patients who were hospitalized with COVID. However, this drug is an antiviral, and she knew from her nursing training in her bachelor degree that an antiviral should not be given more than 24 to 48 hours post-symptom onset for a viral infection. But patients were usually not given it until between 10 and 12 days post-symptom onset, which does more harm than good. Unfortunately, she does say that she would ask her colleagues, why are we giving this medication and why are we doing this? 
and their eyes would glaze over. So it can be assumed, possibly like many other nurses, she knew it was wrong, but did it anyway? So in my community, when COVID was first announced and they locked down the hospitals and they stopped the elective surgeries, our hospital completely emptied out. And this was one of the, this was when I really first saw that they were being, that we were being lied to because the public was being told in the news that the hospitals were full and overwhelmed, and they weren't. I had colleagues all over the state of California who worked in units all over the hospital in the acute care setting, and not once during that first year of COVID in 2020 and the winter of 2021 were our hospitals overwhelmed. I would say there was during the winter of 20 and 21 when this happens every year. People come in with the flu and hospitals fill. It happens every year. It's been doing that for the whole 12 years I've been working in the acute care setting. So it was not unusual. We were not overwhelmed and the public was being lied to. So that really opened my eyes to the fact that there were things going on that shouldn't have been going on. And then with the rollout of the isolations, they also started the COVID protocols. And I didn't notice right away the harm of these protocols until I had to tell family members that they couldn't come to the bedside of their dying loved one. To me, that to me was a crime against humanity and a violation of my oath that I knew right away should not have been happening. We isolate people in prison. So she's repeating emphatically how she felt about this. This is when she realized that something was really gone bad wrong. And that's what I felt like I was being forced to do when I had to tell my patients' family members that they couldn't come into the hospital to be near their dying loved ones. So that all of those small kinds of violations that I was recognizing, I think really helped me accept that I needed to be more critically, more critically analyze what I was being told to do and what was happening around me in the hospital. So after going through those two things at the beginning of the COVID lockdown, it really helped me to stop and think when I was being told to do things. Like the next time they wanted to administer that drug. This was an experimental use authorization medication. So she talks about how it differs from how they would have uh, administered it under normal, under normal circumstances. She would go back and question her colleagues and ask, why are we doing this? And it just didn't sit well. Amen? The risk-benefit analysis does not correlate, she says. And in addition to that, this was an experimental use project. And I knew that each one of those doses was over $3,000. So that was a huge red flag. In addition to that, the next part of the COVID protocols was so extremely disturbing to me 
was the fact that the onset of hospitalization for COVID, there were a team of respiratory intensivists who went before Congress and showed them how effective high-dose steroids were for the treatment of patients who had COVID. And not only were we ignoring those recommendations for high-dose steroids, they were actually blocking it from our hospitals to use. So we have patients coming in who are being scared to death, feared to death by the media. They're being isolated from their loved ones. They're having steroid treatment. So I'll say one more thing about these steroids because this is really important. The COVID, whatever it was, virus, whatever COVID was, it caused more inflammation than we had ever seen in the hospital. So there's a lab value called CRP. And even with influenza and things like this, we had never seen the inflammatory marker of CRP jump so high as it did with COVID. So for the government and the CDC and these three-letter organizations to tell practitioners that they could not administer steroids, which is the, this is the best treatment for an inflammatory process. It was absolutely criminal. You can't withhold steroids for the most inflammatory disease process that humanity has ever seen. So we have isolation of patients, fear-mongering from the media, withholding steroids, the administration of remdesivir. Those were the things that I went to work and had to manage where I every day felt like I was violating my oath as a practitioner. And ultimately, it wasn't until after the rollout of the shots where I just couldn't do my job anymore. So that was the next part of what I witnessed. So I said earlier, worked in the Bay Area of California for an organization called Kaiser Permanente, and they have a full scope of care. Their structure is set up to where you get your primary care, your acute care, your pediatricians, all of the medications and your vaccines all in the same organization. So with the COVID vaccine, they were administering it at my hospital. So when in February, they so they released the shot, these shots to the practitioners in January of 2021. But they didn't release it to the public until close to the end of February. So by the beginning of March, I was starting to notice that my hospital was becoming slammed. And this is unusual because we get you we get you no winter rushes. This is how the hospital works. It's dead in the summer and it's full in the winter like this is the cycle. So I started noticing in March of 21 that it was very peculiar that I was starting to get all these calls to come to work because the hospital was understaffed and it didn't stop. I was in graduate school at the time for my double nurse practitioner degree. So I would do three weeks at the hospital, then I'd take some time off and study for my schooling. 
So by June, when I went into the hospital, I was there for three weeks. Three weeks in from March to April, and then another three weeks in the middle of June to the beginning of July, and I was working nonstop. I would work doubles basically every single shift. I was getting phone calls three times, sometimes four times a day, to come to work because they were so understaffed at the hospital. And then in June, my manager approached me, and he said to me, Gail, This hospital has had three times more admissions than we have ever had since the hospital opened its doors. So that's a 300% increase in hospitalizations directly associated to the onset of these shocks. Do you mind me asking what you were saying? Were you saying heart condition, blood clots, or were you saying COVID? So during that week, it was. The end of June, it was around the 28th of that month when my manager came up to me and said this to me. During that week, I had mentioned I was working doubles basically every shift I worked because of my position being in grad school. I held the position per diem. So what that means is that oftentimes when I come to work, I end up filling in. I'll float to wherever they need me in the hospital. So on that shift, when my manager had told me that we had three times more admissions than they had ever seen, there was that day. The next day I came in and worked a double, and I split that 16 hours between two different units. And I got report on every single patient on both of these units. And this is really when it hit me that these were injection injuries because That's about 30 patients per unit. I got report on every single one was there for some peculiar clot that I never heard of, a stroke, a heart attack. I had seen that day four patients with rapid onset Guillain-Barre in my entire career. I had seen two, 10 years as a nurse in acute care. I'd taken care of two patients with GMBR within a few short period of time, I'd seen four, and I had the opportunity to ask two of those patients directly what they thought was the cause of the onset of their disease, and two of them did tell me that they had received those COVID shots within 24 hours of onset of symptoms, and when I, and so from there, I approached my manager as managers and I said, I have gotten reports on two units full of patients that are all having the weirdest set of symptoms and several of them are confirming that they've just gotten these COVID vaccines. How can I report this? And my manager's direct response was, we cannot report these because We cannot prove that these are what is the cause, that these shots are what is causing these injections. One of my colleagues, who was actually the nurse at the COVID injection clinic, she approached me one day, and she will not come publicly to say this because she's afraid of losing her job. But she had asked her manager the same thing. 
and they told her that if she reported a single adverse event, she would be fired, pressure not to report. All of my concerns regarding the COVID protocols for hospitalized patients were not being addressed. I mentioned multiple times that I felt like we were violating our oath. I was ignored. So it was shortly after that time, in June of 21, when I had legal documents processed, served to several members of my hospital. And they fired me in retaliation for trying to hold them accountable for what I was witnessing. But I asked myself a lot. I think that really one of the most important things to really notice here is people say to me like, oh, like you know why you are coming forward and your colleagues aren't? And I want to really recognize here how it is that I ended up in this position because I think that I noticed when all this was happening and that there there was probably about 30% of my colleagues who saw what I was seeing. And it is, it's like this, attention to detail, critical thinking, ability to really deeply analyze what you're seeing and then continue to dig into why it is happening. So, and so there are these types of skills in combination with the fact that I was, I didn't go to public school in high school, and it really reminded me of that. The whole situation on the COVID floors, it reminded me of how I felt in high school when I was homeschooled and I wasn't with the in crowd. And I saw this happening with my colleagues. I saw them wanting to be with the in crowd. They didn't want to rock the boat. They didn't want to potentially jeopardize their income. They had mortgages. And so they chose to, you know, do what is easy and go along. And I would say to them, this is something that I have found to be the most powerful of all the things that have happened in the last two years is that I'm free. You know, I look at my colleagues and I know that. They sold their souls. You know, they're doing these things. They're jeopardizing their ethics and their morals. It's, for me, it's just, it's been so overpowering because I know that my children are seeing a leader and they will be emboldened by what they have seen me Done do. The end of life, at the end of the day, these are the things that matter. My paycheck, it's irrelevant. And so I think that's really kind of the takeaway that I have gleaned from all of this is how free I feel and how happy I am to be able to show my children how to live free. So the interviewer said, So I'm trying to work out in my head what's going on because we're getting numerous people, countless people, sitting where you are telling us about how they're unvaccinated. Every single one is unvaccinated, has had this hospital protocol bent to death. Right, we know that. You've seen some of the papers. You know what I'm talking about. Then I'm trying to work out well. Where? Because we know that the hospitals are full of the vaccinated with their, what did you see on there? 
that told us that she was an ICU nurse, and she told us that the billing system doesn't let you code in someone. So also, after you've had one Pfizer, one Moderna, one Johnson & Johnson, you're still classed as unvaccinated. So that, you know, you could have been that a class of unvaccinated. We just haven't met anyone yet, and then the billing system wouldn't let them put put they woo, wouldn't let them put they would let you put in ventilated unvaccinated death. Ah, they blocked the system so they couldn't enter it the way it actually happened. Okay, I got that. And then just vent death. But there was never anything to say vent at the end. Okay, so the nurse says, yeah. So we actually had conversations. There was a support group in my community for practitioners who were being alienated and discriminated against because in the same way that patients were being discriminated against for choosing not to get those shots, staff members were too. And that was actually one of the things that came up when we came together and started talking was how we noticed the documentation systems for recognizing people who were vaccinated or unvaccinated in my community. So I was fired in October of 21. So there were six months where I was intermittently in the hospital witnessing how they had altered the EPIC system. So my hospital used EPIC, and in my hospital, specifically, they would come, any patient who was diagnosed with COVID, the chart would automatically populate as unvaccinated, and they did not train us how to change it, was a red bar that went across the top of the chart that said unvaccinated, and they did not teach us how to change that. So I'll tell you for a fact that within one, it, within a week of the onset of these vaccines released to the public, working on the COVID unit, it was easily 50% of the COVID patients that we had that were vaccinated. There was never a time when my hospital had a unit full of unvaccinated patients once these vaccines were rolled out. It was that our computer systems had been manipulated to push this agenda. So that was at the Kaiser Permanente in California, the Sutton Health Organization. I had a colleague who I spoke with who worked for that hospital, and their EPIC system was set up with a drop-down menu to where she was there, only two options for her to select when she got a patient diagnosed with COVID. There were two options in her system that she could select, that the patient was unvaccinated, vaccination status was unknown. So any patient who had COVID, they were forced to document those patients as unknown, which to me, you know that. And then when I saw how the media spun that to say that all the patients who were hospitalized were unvaccinated, this is how they did it. They manipulated our charting systems and didn't teach the staff how to alter the charts to produce truthful evidence. So what would end up happening is that these patients who were actually vaccinated with COVID 
we would try and go in and put notes in that they were vaccinated and that they had COVID. But to tell you the truth, a lot of the staff members wouldn't even ask what the patient's vaccination status was. They would just assume that they were unvaccinated because that's what we were being told. It is that only unvaccinated patients were being hospitalized with COVID, but that was never the case. So it was people like me who actually did ask and who actually did attempt to discover the truth of what was happening. You know, we would scream it from the rooftops, but I mean, this stuff was just all being ignored and censored. And that's the biggest part of all this is that people like me who were telling the truth, you know, we were all fired and removed from the field or we left because we couldn't ethically manage it. So now we are left with medical facilities full of people who don't have a backbone to end up and do the right thing. And so I am very concerned for the future of medicine in this country because we have criminalized and disciplined all of the practitioners who were actually there to protect our patients and families. It's a dangerous place, and I would not take a family member to a hospital. And so the interviewer said, thank you for this. Thank you for speaking so honestly and being so brave, so important. I really appreciate everything you've done and still doing for us. And the nurse said, absolutely. Well, Saints, I wanted to do that one because it gives you a different viewpoint of what was going on, okay? We've heard a lot about it. I've presented a lot to the righteous judge, but this is the human side from the inside of the hospital. And so I want to thank the righteous judge for his adjudications on such. Amen. Um, Tech companies have been just basically forced to admit that they, um, they censored as we all know anyway, and shut down medical professionals who were offering a different narrative uh, from what the globalists were presenting. They didn't want you to hear the truth. They didn't want you to know the truth, and nothing about that has changed. Amen? Now, because of studies that have come out and breakthroughs that God has given us, the FDA is sort of admitting to certain things, and other organizations are sort of admitting. If you saw the FYI that I posted about the state of Florida in the chat room, you'll get my point about that. Amen? You'll understand that there were some people who said, we're going to investigate this anyway, and they did, and they present their findings. Just like with the climate situation, People that truly know about climate are not going along with Mr. Biden's uh, mandate. They're not going along with his agenda, and they're not going along with his song and dance, so to speak. All right. We are requesting adjudications from the righteous judge concerning the dream of net zero carbon emissions and its vision of blanketing hundreds of millions of acres of American land with wind turbines and solar panels is running up against the reality that most of the land 
in America is still privately owned, and many Americans don't want these massive industrial installations near their homes. But that may prove to be a temporary impediment. There is a major effort under the Biden administration to consolidate power over land and resources because whoever owns the land and resources of a nation controls the people. Margaret Byfield, the executive director of American Stewards of Liberty, a property rights nonprofit, said, as a former Nevada rancher, she became embroiled in a decade-long fight with federal agencies over control of her land, which she ultimately lost. Today, she sees another land grab coming in the form of the Green New Deal and the renewable energy industry. Analysts speculate that in order to meet net zero goals and build out a renewable energy infrastructure, enormous swaths of land will have to be converted for industrial use. With current sitting practices, an area the size of Texas is required to accommodate the wind and solar infrastructure we need to reach nationwide net zero emissions by 2050, said Catherine Catherine Hayhoe, chief scientist of the Nature Conservancy, a renewable energy advocate. Reaching the goal of net zero carbon dioxide emissions by 2050 would require consuming more than 250,000 square miles or 160 million acres of land, according to the conservatories may report. However, the authors are optimistic that land consumption could be reduced to an area the size of Arizona if the renewable industry allows them impact reduction procedures. These grand schemes are being held up by the fact that 70% or 1.3 billion acres of the land in the contiguous 48 states is currently privately owned and its owners often refuse to allow solar panels, wind turbines, power lines, and carbon pipelines to be installed. According to the Renewable Rejection Database, compiled by journalist and author Robert Bryce, more than 600 communities across the United States have so far blocked or banned large solar and wind projects and other renewable energy ventures that they believe will damage local environments. It's about property values. It's about maintaining the character of their neighborhoods and their towns in their counties, Mr. Bryce said. And this is something that has been happening from Maine to Hawaii. For the net zero industry, however, centralizing land rights may solve this problem. A 2020 report by Vanderbilt Law School faculty, J.B. Rule and James Salzman, says that the multifaceted infrastructure goals of the Green New Deal will be impossible to achieve in the desired time frames if the existing federal, state, and local sitting and environmental protection statutory regimens are applied. Business, labor, property rights, environmental protection, and social justice interests 
will use them to grind the Green New Deal to a snail's pace, the report reads. This essay is a call to arms for the need to design new green laws for the Green New Deal. The authors advocate for more streamlined, top-down, preemptive processes, as well as extensive use of eminent domain powers. In other words, they're just going to walk in and take these people's property. That's what they're going to do. To speed the development of wind and solar projects. In line with this view, Jamie Diamond, a CEO of of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company, yes, It's them again. America's largest bank said in an April letter to shareholders that governments, corporations, and non-governmental organizations must unite behind a massive global investment in clean energy technologies. We may even need to evoke eminent domain, he wrote. Belief is resonating with government officials, both at the federal level and also within left-leaning states. In November, the Democrat-controlled Michigan legislature passed a law that aims to take the control of land use from local communities and give it to state officials for renewable energy projects. According to Michigan's new law, permits for solar farms with a capacity of 50 megawatts or more, wind facilities with 100 megawatts or more, and energy storage facilities with a capacity of 50 megawatts or more and a discharge capacity of 200 megawatts or more will now be under the control of the Michigan Public Service Commission. This will remove the impediment of local resistance to large-scale renewable energy projects. According to a statement from Michigan State Senator John Damus, a Republican who opposed the law, Those who pushed it, new communities, wouldn't want to be packed full of wind farms and solar panels. So they had to introduce more bills that give the state the power to overrule local communities. In addition to government authority, private companies are also seeking the power to take land in the name of net zero. A test case is currently playing out in western states over carbon capture pipeline projects seem to take people's land by eminent domain insiders say two companies summit carbon solutions and navigator co2 ventures have been attempting to construct carbon sequester pipelines through five western states navigators carbon capture project called heartland greenway would capture 15 million tons of CO2 emissions per year from ethanol plants and pipe it off to where it could be buried thousands of feet underground. Summit's proposed project is larger, projected to capture 18 million tons of CO2. It would connect to more than 30 ethanol plants in Iowa, Nebraska, South Dakota, Minnesota, North Dakota, where the CO2 would ultimately be sequestered. These companies would have received federal subsidies of $50 per sequestered ton of CO2 under the Trump administration. Under President Joe Biden's Inflation Reduction Act, these subsidies were increased to $85 per ton. In addition to what pipeline owners 
would receive from the ethanol producers. It's a big boondoggle, and there's a ton of money to be made, South Dakota State Representative Carla Lim said. Companies declaring themselves common carriers, which historically has been designated for railroads, water companies, and natural gas pipelines. This designation allows private companies to take privately owned land by eminent domain. According to Ms. Limbs, more than 150 landowners in South Dakota were served papers by Summit condemning portions of their land, thus allowing the company to access it. My biggest concern is that we are setting a precedent, she said. This is eminent domain for private gain. They're coming in and they're saying, we need an easement through your property, and you will give it to us one way or another because we are a common carrier and we have the right to eminent domain. The companies did try to negotiate with the landowners, Ms. Lim said, but basically they have that big stick of eminent domain in their back pocket and they're not afraid to use it. If the pipeline succeeds, solar and wind are right behind them. Navigator, which is 84% owned by asset manager B. Hem- <laughs> BlackRock, has put its project on hold because of local resistance and reportedly hasn't made attempts to take land by eminent domain. I would say eminent domain, yes. But Summit is continuing to push forward with its pipeline plan. In a letter to South Dakota Governor Christy Noeen, representatives said that the Green New Deal has been thrust upon South Dakota because of the United Nations' 17 Sustainable Development Goals does not fit with our Bill of Rights. The false narrative that says ESG, environmental, social, and governance scores tied to the net zero carbon score will repair the damage caused by capitalism goes against the very nature of our founders, the state legislators wrote. Companies that stand to benefit from these projects do so at the expense of the property rights of individuals. Many lawmakers in state government support the project, and ethanol producers say they need the carbon credits that the pipeline will give them in order to continue to operate profitably. But critics of the project question why local industry and landscapes must be reconfigured to meet the global warming goals of the Biden administration and others. It's the crazy amount of political pressure to get this done, Ms. Lim said. Why do we have to go along with the World Economic Forum rules? Let's form a coalition that says we're not going to follow those rules. They make no sense. Critics of the net zero agenda point out that all the money being spent and the land being acquired in the name of net zero can't succeed in reducing global temperatures. In addition to the land acquisition for net zero, the Biden administration announced its 3030 program in January 2021, an executive order. The order states that 30% of America's land and water should be set aside conservation by 2030. While supporters of this plan have characterized it as voluntary and grassroots, opponents have deemed it a federal land grab and they're concerned that it'll include new government mandates over private property. 
According to Ms. Byfield, American founders wanted private ownership of land and property because property rights and political rights go hand in hand. Now, you know we have generations of young people that can't figure out if they ought to own something or rent something. Well, this is the statement that pays. Property rights and political rights go hand in hand, and our founding fathers knew it. We need to know it too. The East Coast is largely privately owned, but the land in the West, which was developed under a different set of beliefs, is about 50% federalized, she said. Our founders wanted a separation of power, which meant the people, the citizens, the small landowners, the middle class would own our natural resources. And we're now moving to the consolidation of power, and the people have the least amount of power. So we want to thank the righteous judge for his adjudications concerning such. Amen. He's a good God, and he always knows what to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Brother Marshall, it's a happy new year and it's to you, Pastor Sabrina. This is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. It's really awesome. King Jesus is on the throne. He's the King of Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And Father God's given him the power to judge everything. And isn't it amazing? The little prophecy that Daniel got, <clears throat> what was that, a, a couple years ago? <laughs> Back in, in Daniel chapter 2, points out about the, the Masons. The, you know, they don't, they don't control everything. They think they do, or whatever other little occultic group. They think they do, but they don't. So thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you. What kind of like I said about to get there? There's a little scripture there, kind of gives a little clue, a little clue. It says in Daniel 2, 34 and 35, this is the dream that the king had he couldn't remember, and Daniel and his three guys got together. They didn't know about Matthew 18, 19 because it hadn't been written yet, but they did it anyway. They got together, and God heard their prayer. He showed them the king's dream, what it was. Thou sawest till a stone was cut out without hands. Hey, no masons necessary. A stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet. You know, it's the spirit of idolatry. And that was of iron and clay and brass. And then it broke them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away. The Holy Ghost carried them away. The Spirit of the Lord that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Oh, Jesus is that rock. He's the, he's the rock of ages. It says in 1 Corinthians 10.4, They did all drink of that same spiritual rock, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed, and that rock was Christ. The rock followed the manna. First, God sent manna from heaven, living bread from heaven. And then they drank of that rock. You might not remember, but it's in there. It's back in there in uh, Exodus 17:6. The people were thirsty. They were in the desert. They wanted something to drink. 
And so Moses, the first time, he smote the rock, and that was what God wanted him to do. The second time, in Numbers, he was supposed to speak to the rock, but he got a little bit um, angry, a little bit. Uh, he spoke unadvisedly, it says in Psalms. And so what did he do? He smoked the rock twice. And that's why he couldn't go into the promised land, because Jesus is, he represents that rock, because God stood, stood upon that rock. So, Father, we thank you that that rock is coming, even as Daniel showed us. And it's going to smite all those people, all those people, Father God, because it's coming really, really soon. I'm so grateful, Father God, the little bit that you're showing us. And we know these are the last days, what, it's, what it says in the beginning of, of Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 9. These are the last days. It's also in, in uh, Peter. But it says in, uh, in Isaiah 2, 2, and almost exactly the same thing in Micah 4, 1 and following, that in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains. Mountains represent authorities, right? And it shall be exalted above the hills, the little hills, you know, the little principalities and powers. And the people shall flow unto it, because the people are going to be hungering and thirsting for what? The truth. We thank you for the, the people that are standing for the truth. Those people that are getting a little bit of truth out. There's not a whole lot that came out from the New York Times, and they're just one of those control groups. But they got a little bit of information they put out, and I thank you, Brother Bill, for posting all those things. That's a lot of stuff. Oh, my goodness, so much stuff. Father God, put that book out there. So we ask for intervention adjudications, Father God, because you told us that Jesus is going to rule the earth, Father God. We ask for your adjudications concerning what's going on over in Israel, that is the secular nation of Israel, not necessarily representing the Israel in the Bible. And they do have a city called Jerusalem, but it doesn't represent the Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven. Father God, even as you tell us about now in Revelation, but even in in the Old Testament, I think it's in uh, Jeremiah 3.17. I don't have it right in front of my face. But Father God, we ask for adjudication concerning what's going on over there. You told us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we do. Jerusalem means what? The flow of peace. Well, how did Jesus make peace. Oh, by the blood of his cross. We plead that blood over all those that are being slain and harmed, Jew and Gentile alike, Father God. Those that have been involved in the psychological warfare that's going on in Israel now, where they're trying to drum up um, a a religious war, including the United States, because they tried to drum up a, a, a race war, and that didn't really fly too well. It worked pretty well in South Africa. It didn't work too well in the United States. But it's worked pretty well over in Israel, and apparently a lot of people over here that are trying to climb on board with that. Oh, you have your anti-Semitic. No. Is Netanyahu really Jewish? I don't know. I don't know if anybody's done DNA testing on the blood of those different people. Pathologists talk about different kinds of Jews. Some came from, from Turkey and other places, and they had, uh, they, they just, they Khazar Jews. They, they were, were the... Not the Torah. They weren't interested in what's actually written in the Scripture. They're written in what the, the rabbis came up with. And some of them mix all kinds of things in. So, Father, there's stuff going on. Do I know what's going on? No, I don't need to know. Your ways are so much higher than our ways, Lord. But you know what's going on. You have it all figured out. You live way outside of time and space. You go on your throne way up there above all these principalities and powers, way up in the third heaven. And those demons down in the second heavens, they're quaking and they're shaking especially when people are praying and people are blasting through prayers through the second heaven up to the third heaven, Father God. And we thank you, Father God, for hearing the prayers of your servants for the Lord's sake. 
because that blood is sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. It says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The people in the Israeli Defense Forces that were told to stand down, according to the General Flynn and many others who were in, in the know, Father God, were told to stand down on October 7th. Why would that be? Why were they told to stand down? Was somebody funding Hamas that has to do with Israel? Could be. Were they all part of the same group? Because Netanyahu called it their their 9-11. Was our 9-11 planned? Hmm. Were the uh, equivalents of the CIA and all these different nations involved with our, with our 9-11 and maybe with their 9-11? So, Father God, you know what's going on. We ask for intervention, adjudication, every one of these things. And, yes, we think a little bit of truth coming up from the New York Times. Yes, that that uh, they were using Qatar to fund some money, and most of it went to Hamas, and you really didn't seem to take care of those people. And why is that? Because, oh, they needed to have somebody say, oh, they're the poor downtrodden victims. Well, which is, which is why that, that uh, Economist magazine from 2012 have pictures of Netanyahu flying with a little hand glider thing like the Hamas people did, and right on the cover, right, from 2012. And they knew what's going to happen way ahead of time. Or was that 11 years ahead of time? Whatever it was. So, Father God, we thank you, Father God, that you've been exposing a lot of stuff, a lot of people bringing things to light, Father God, what's going on in the world, Father God, even as we've been praying. Because you told us to pray. And you, you're bringing it to pass exactly the way you want, in Jesus' name. Even, even, in, uh, even in Daniel, even in Daniel, that, that little thing, because the king wanted to know what was going on. He had a dream. He didn't remember the dream. And, and, and what happened after he got that? Where is that? Do I have it right here? And it says, The king answered unto Daniel in 2.47, So the truth it is that your God is the God of gods. And isn't that the truth? The Lord of kings. He's above Biden and everybody, above Netanyahu, everybody. A lord of kings and a revealer of secrets. Seems like he's revealed this secret. Well, he's been revealing secrets because he knows what's going on. And it says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth all men liberally, and debateth not, and it will be given him. And some people say, God's phone number is Jeremiah 33.3. 3. Call upon me, and I will show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. So we thank you for showing us the great and mighty things that we don't know, that you want us to know, and help us to know what to do with those great and mighty things you're revealing to us. You're revealing a lot of stuff through Pastor Sabrina. There were FYIs and, and what was going on down in Florida. We thank you for the, what's going on down there, Father God. And the people that, even the bit from the New York Times, exposing a little bit about what's going on with... Uh, the people from the Israeli government, the secular Israeli government, not God's Israel, the secular Israeli government, because they, apparently somebody, I don't know, I don't want to go down that rabbit trail. Father God, help me, Lord, to stay on track in Jesus' name. Bind every spirit of vain imagination, every spirit of thinking, thinking is done. We thank you that you'll keep him in perfect peace, his mind to stay on me, because you have plans for each of us, plans for our peace and not for evil, to give us an expected end. So, Father God, you know what's going on. And we thank you for those that are bold enough to get the truth out there. We thank you, Father God, to us, particularly this nurse that um, Pastor Sabrina read about from Kaiser Palm Permanente over in, in, um, in California. And we thank you, Father God, that even as you showed some doctors that Remdesivir, in fact, what was his name? Uh, his father-in-law was killed by Remdesivir because it causes uh, kidney failure in 40% of the people, which is 
And since he was a doctor, he looked at the x-ray and said, the doctor in the ICU said, see, your father-in-law, he has pneumonia. He said, that's not pneumonia. There's a fluid level there. He needs to get the fluid out of his lungs. <laughs> he could read the x-ray. So, Father God, there's some people that are just hiding these things. And we thank you for this nurse, very, very bold. So people that speak against what's going on, some of them, um, some of the scientists, they tend to disappear. Uh, they become, they become um, suddenly so depressed they take their own lives. Just amazing how that happens. Just amazing how that happens. Terribly depressed, right? At least that's what uh, the clinics the want people to think. But, Father God, we thank you, Father God, that, that uh, what, what was being going on, I think of the detailed explanations that that nurse gave about how they covered things up, Father God, how they covered things up. So, Father God, we ask for adjudication, every one of these things. And you say in your word in Psalm 149, beginning of verse 5, let the saints be joyful in glory. Hallelujah. Thank you for raising up together with Christ Jesus from our position. See how many places in that glory at your right hand, Father God. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. The two-edged sword of the sword of the Spirit, not necessarily a sword of steel. To execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people. We ask for your adjudication and punishments upon those that have been doing evil to your people, Father God, because you created them for your glory. To bind their kings with chains, their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute upon them that judgment written. This honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. We thank you for what you have done, are doing, and going to do even now in Jesus' name. Because now is the day of salvation in Jesus' name. And you know how to execute the judgment, Lord, and we thank you for doing so. Even as it says in Psalm 103, verse 6, The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Not just the Palestinians. Not just those landowners that are having their land uh, taken away by eminent domain. Not just those, Father God, in Israel that have been lied to by their own government and some people in other countries that have been lied to by their governments. They're told, oh, this is a safe and effective thing. We want to make sure everybody in the military and every other place gets it. Oh, you don't need to go to work or go to school without it because it's going to protect you. It's so safe and effective. Even though it's emergency authorization use, and we never did come up with a real one that was authorized because they never produced it, or at least they never made it available in this country anyway, in the United States. Maybe they made it available somewhere. I don't know. So we ask for adjudication for every one of these things, Father God, in Jesus' name. And you said in your word, in Psalm 9, since we're going to be reading that soon, Psalm 9, verse 15 and following, that the heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. In the net which they hid is their own foot taken. My, you've done that before, haven't you, Lord? The Lord is known by the judgment which he executed. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. Think about that. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all nations that forget God. Oh, Father, have mercy on this nation. We repent and renounce for turning our back on you. Some of us don't manage to go a whole day without thinking. Well, I don't know about anybody in the miracle in that church, but some people that call themselves Christians go a whole day without thinking of one scripture, one, anything that you've done, Lord Jesus. Not rejoicing in you constantly. Forgive us and forgive me too, Father God, for against you and you only have we sinned and thus evil in thy sight. So we ask you to forgive us and deliver us from every spirit of apathy, every spirit of timidity, as some of those false translations, because you've not given us the spirit of fear, but power, 
love and of a sound mind. And we thank you for Pastor Sabrina's encouragement with the fried chicken analogy, Father God. I heard about a man who lived in the Baptist church, and he was a very timid man. He didn't have to tell anybody about Jesus. He took a little um, little course he went, to, and they told him how to share the gospel, and then they gave him a little pin. They said, now just wear this on your lapel whenever you're going out, or on your coat or whatever, and then that'll give you a, an open door. And so somebody finally asked him, he was teaching in a class, somebody asked him, well, well, what's that little pin about, sir? And he said, oh, that's to remind me to tell you about the best thing that ever happened to me, that Jesus came into my heart and I repented of my sins. So, Father, we ask you to draw multitudes, multitudes to the Lord Jesus, Father. There are many in the valley of decision, Father God, many in the valley of decision in the medical community, those that just went along to get along, well, because they got to pay off their loans, they got mortgages, and, and they think that their, do- their dollar is worth more important than other people's lives. Uh, I don't think you think that's the case, Lord, because you esteem human life a little bit more important than uh, monetary things, either silver or gold. In fact, Pastor Sabrina kind of pointed that out toward the end of uh, Deuteronomy 27 tonight during the service, during this, uh, the worship service. So, Father God, we ask, Father God, that this nurse who was able to think outside the box because she wasn't lulled into going along to get along. She actually think critically. Isn't that wonderful? We ask that you help many, many, many people, especially those who believe that they're Christians and those that really are Christians, to think the way you want us to think, holding every thought captive and subject to the complete obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We bind every mind-controlled spirit trying to operate Satan in your bound or your underlings about thinking to kill, steal, and to destroy. Not just stealing people's lives, not just stealing people's harmony and peace, trying to cause strife and division, trying to cause religious wars, not just in Israel between uh, the, the Islam and, 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 and the Jewish people, but especially between the, the Christians and everyone else, trying to say, oh, they're all uh, conspiracy theorists, or they're all, they're all um, whatever it is, they, they have, all the labels they come up with, kind of upset for the day. Trying to come up with all those lovely labels like the CIA dreamt up, Father God, to control people. Father, we ask you to overturn those people in authority in those areas, Father God, in the three-letter agencies, in various governments, all across the globe, Father God, that need to be overturned. To take down one and put up another, Father God, just like you said in, um, in Psalm 75. And we thank you for doing so, Father God. Because when your name is near because of the blood of the covenant, your blood is sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of it. When your name is near, your wondrous works declare. And can you do that? Uh, you have all power in heaven and earth. You are the Lord of lords and king of kings. Even Nebuchadnezzar recognized that and told Daniel, for promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. It doesn't come from the, from the, uh, uh, the east in, in Europe. It doesn't come from China. It doesn't come from the south. It doesn't come from India. No, God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. So we thank you for putting down those that need to be put down in the military establishment, in the, in the pharmaceutical industrial complex, Father God, in Jesus' name. And Satan, you're bound to all your underlings. Every mind controls spirit. There's a spirit of greed, corruption, every spirit of perversion, all the pedophile spirits. There's a spirit of perverse, perverse uh, and hunger and thirst for flesh. Every spirit of perversion and trying to control people's minds through psychological warfare and controlling the children's minds, trying to control the adults' minds through the movies, the games, and all these other things, particularly in the public schools. Father, we ask for your divine help and adjudication because your arm is not too short to save. And you said, if two of you on earth agree such anything else, it shall be done to my Father which is in heaven. And we thank you for doing so, Father God. We thank you, Father God, that those people, Father God, 
They're willing to stand up and speak the truth, Father God, in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father God, for your, Father God, for those people that refused to get the so-called vaccine, which wasn't even a vaccine. They had to change the definition because it really wasn't. Those people, and thank you for Stacy's comment because that's what remdesivir does stand for. Run death is near, remdesivir. And there's other drugs they used as well, Father God. And they didn't want them to have other things that actually do help. Even as a guy who was a, a guy, he was a medical doctor, was head of an ICU, and he found out, well, wait a minute, we've been using ivermectin for over 60 years. It's safer than Tylenol. Well, why can't we give that? We know that helps in all kinds of things. It doesn't, we've been using it off-label for other things. It doesn't have to be just for parasites. And, and maybe there's some parasites involved with the vaccine. Who knows? Some people think there are. I don't know. Some people think parasites and cancers kind of go hand in hand. Mm, I don't know. But you know everything, Lord. So we thank you for your adjudication in every one of these situations, Father God. Thank you for Brother Bill being so patient to put them up, Father God. And especially this uh, recent dream of coming up with the, uh, and it's a dream, it's a, it's a fantasy of extraordinary proportions, the net zero carbon emissions. As if, as if uh, cows farting are the terrible crime against humanity, against people eating meat is a terrible crime. And we need to get people to stop, stop using uh, the fossil fuels because uh, they say they're not re- renewable. Some people say they are renewable. There's some some wells in different places that were capped, and they went back and, oh, they're full again. They could pump for years and years. How funny is that? Maybe they are renewable, but they say they're not. They just want people to think that. They think it's sort of like somebody said it's, um, what is it? It's like a watermelon. It's green on the outside and bright red on the inside because it's just a communist land grab. It's just to control people. Because the people that came over here, the pilgrims, they tried that. They read the thing in, in, uh, in Acts chapter 2 where the people had everything in common. They tried that, but the, the people that were hardworking, they didn't get rewarded. And those that, that were sloughing, they, they had enough to get by, and, and the whole system fell apart. So, Father, they realized people had to have an incentive to work, to have a little something left over for their own families and for themselves. So we thank you, Father God, for teaching the pilgrims and during that little early experiment, Father God, those that didn't succumb. And we thank you, Father, for the harsh weather and the sudden change of environment. And, Father God, for all this, you asked us to pray that you give us the heathen for our inheritance. Well, there's a whole lot of people moving into every nation, Father God, and not just the United States. They're flooding into all kinds of nations, different nations in Europe. Lots of people flooding into Sweden and all kinds of nations that, that weren't Swedes and, and the people in Holland that weren't from, from the Netherlands, Father God. A lot of people flooding in there that have a different background, different agenda. So, Father God, you ask us to pray for the, to give us the heathen. Well, help us to reach out to those people, Father God, and pray for those who despitefully use us, including those in positions of authority. And, Father God, that you'll overturn them in your way and in your time. And show us what our part is, because you said ask, and we're asking, Father God, in Jesus' name. And we thank you for your divine help and adjudication in every one of these situations, Father God. In Jesus' name, and Father, we know what you did when Esther and those that were with her, they prayed and fasted. He said, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sins and heal their land. Oh, Father, we repent. I do. 
for me and those I can stand in for, because I haven't always done everything you want me to do. It's quite an understatement. But you're changing me, Lord, from day to day. As I gaze into your eyes, you're, you're purifying my heart. You're changing my heart from glory to glory. So we ask for your help for each of us, and you draw multitudes, all the family members, every believer, to the Lord Jesus Christ, and all the descendants, including pagan Christine Smith's descendants, including Donald Trump, Father God. He may think it's okay to go along with the Pfizer's of the world. Maybe temporarily it is. But, Father God, if he asks you standing for the truth, God, I don't know. But, you, Heavenly Father, you know all things. But, Father, you can use him, but he's not our, he's not our rescuer. He's not our Savior. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. There's only one name under heaven given among men where we must be saved. Jesus! Hosanna to the Son of David! Hosanna to the Son of David! Save now, O Lord! Save now, O Lord! We ask you to save us now, Lord, and we thank you for doing so. He said, call upon me the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. And it says in Psalm, where is that, Lord? Psalm 34.4, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. That is the ungodly fears. We need to maintain a holy fear of you, Lord. Work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But those that are railing against your children, trying to bring in this business, to snatch people's land in, in, in Texas, Arizona, and every other place in, in South Dakota, every other place, Father God, with the Green New Deal nonsense, Father God, which is just an agenda. There's nothing, nothing based on real science, Father God, because they're trying to cover that up just like they covered up all the things with COVID. So, Father God, we ask for intervention adjudication. And those people that are doing these evil things against your people, Father God, like it says in Psalm 35, let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that divides my heart. Confusion, division, division, confusion, the enemy's camp in Jesus' name. Let them be as chaff before the window. Let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery. Let the angel of the Lord persecute them. For without cause have they hid from me their net in a pit, which without cause they dig for my soul. Let destruction come upon him as unawares. Let his net, which he had catch himself into that very destruction, let him fall. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. So we thank you for your divine help and intervention and adjudication, Father. We thank you for giving Jesus all power in heaven and earth. In Jesus' name. Like it says, I believe it's over in John chapter 5. Because it says, you're going to judge everything, Father. And we know we're going to stand before the believers before the judgment seat of Christ, hopefully to receive some, some rewards. We do a few things, right? Help us to do so, Lord. And it says for the, in, in John 5:22, For the Father judgeth no man, hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father that hath sent him. Father, deliver those people that claim to be Muslims, Father, that claim to worship the God of Abraham, they're just deceived. Remove the blinders. Remove the blinders from the Jewish people. They claim to be followers of the Torah. Some of them are, and, but they still need the Messiah. They still need their Messiah. Verily, verily, Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. <laughs> Praise God. But it's passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father has life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. He has given him authority to execute judgment 
also because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So, Father, we know we don't get to heaven by doing lots of good deeds. We only get to heaven because Jesus shed his blood, and we repent of our spirits of idolatry and selfishness, ungodly fear, and all the things that you tell us about over in in Revelation. <clears throat> Where is that? 21.8. All those things that can keep us out of heaven. There's about several other places, too. But that's one of the most... <laughs> Come home. 